Hey kids, this is Yoshi, and this episode of podcast is brought to you by Punk Apparel. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI, Y-O-S-H-I, in all caps, at the checkout for 15% off all items. Punk Apparel accepts all major currencies and offer free worldwide shipping. And thanks for listening to the show, and talk to you guys soon. Bye. Hey kids, I forgot to mention two more things. Um, this coming Friday, September 26th, Los Angeles Podcast Festival, I'm doing a show with Talking Shit Podcast. In fact, this is their last episode, episode 400. So it'd be great to see you guys come over to the festival and check out the show. So this Friday, September 26th, LA Podcast Fest at 7 p.m. in the Hollywood Room. And the hotel is Sofitel at 8555 Beverly Boulevard, Beverly Hills, California. And the hotel's number is 310-278-5444. Thanks, guys. And the last thing I need to mention to you guys is that um, I've been doing this medical lab job literally as guinea pig, and I haven't got paid from one of the facility. And I'm really angry with them because every time they say they're going to call me back, they don't, and they have not paid me. It's been over 60 days. And they have a history of nine paying people. So I would really appreciate if you guys go to Yelp to complain. Uh, I also appreciate if you guys go to Business Consumer Alliance and complain about them. So the name of the facility is Stay Well Research, uh, which is located in 81250 Roscoe Boulevard, room 240, Northridge, California. So the address is 18250 Roscoe Boulevard, room 240, Northridge, California. And their number is 866 866- Four zero seven zero two six six. Call them, tell them to pay Yoshi. Okay, I appreciate it if you could do that. Number is eight six six four zero seven zero two six six, and the company name is Stay Well Research. Um, I will appreciate you guys putting pressure on these guys because for five or six months, I literally went there and give them my shit, literally, and they haven't paid me back for my shit. So cons- contact Business Consumer Alliance. And the owner of, of the company's name, Jay Udani, J-A-Y space U-D-A-N-I. I don't know what, who the fuck he is. I don't know what his background. I know that a lot of the workers were speaking Russian, but give me my money and get the fuck out of Ukraine and give me my money, you scumbag, Jay. And that company code, the number that refers to company to complain, their code is 10009069. So guys, complain to them, call them, uh, call them to complain about not paying me. 866-407-0266. All right, guys, thanks, and uh, see you guys soon. Bye. You're listening to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. All right, welcome to the new episode of Yoshi Den. I'm in Echo Park with my great friend Jason Rouse, and uh, I should have done my homework. He was a uh, he did an episode a year ago. A great comedian and entertainer, a music lover, and uh, world travel as well. And uh, I know if any of you ever meet or have met Jason, just looking at him, you might think, "Oh my God, this guy's a trouble." But he's the most gentle and honest, uh, good friend of mine, and uh, I'm really happy that he's on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Yoshi. It's uh, funny you mentioned this uh, thing. I don't know what it is that I project this kind of 
thing, not only on stage, but off stage. Like I posted something, I had a, a broke up with my girlfriend and uh, I said, why am I single? Is it just a cry for help on the social media? And then people were commenting and some girl that says, you're too intimidating. I don't seem like, uh, you, you I think I'm, when they say you're intimidated, you, when they see you kill on stage, you're very extremely competent or something. Did you think that's why they're talking about intimidating? Because I'm always surprised um, how sweet and gentle a person you are. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not surprising. I've known you for There's so, people over throwing 10, up right years, now. But people just make certain assumption about you, you mm. know. Whereas there's a jerks who pretend like a nice person, but after a while they they see the real yeah them, you know and they're just the ugly scumbags and i i'm an anomaly i think in the, uh, especially in this city where i i put it all out on stage and then off stage i can actually be a civil and uh relatively well-rounded human being yeah um and we're older too i think when you when you get older you whatever the problems you had as a young person hopefully you learn and get rid of that yeah you and, know. and some people just put it in a little box and push it down and then it, it comes out in other negative kind of ways yeah yeah but yeah i'm uh i'm confused <laughs> especially you know i tried dating in the city and stuff and i just found that the the women in this city were awful and i don't know but it goes both ways right like most definitely and i always find when guys seem like women are bitches and a gold digger but I always, I always remind them like, well, you're picking specific kind of women because simply because they're young and good looking. Mm. I mean, it just it, oh, it, there's totally the, the yin to the yang, and that the women of they, everyone's become a product of their environment. Yeah, and uh, everybody else is to blame. I just I don't fuck dudes, so I have to blame somebody. Yeah, <laughs> but fuck it. Um. You 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 were saying like a little before we started like you were having like night terror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I mean, seriously, but have you had always when you were growing up, or mainly when I'm younger? I had a very turbulent and chaotic childhood from like ages four to fourteen. <laughs> For about ten years there, it was uh, I'd have these just horrific nightmares. I think usually the things that were in my life would kind of infiltrate my subconscious and then i'd take them to sleep with me was it a problem at home or was it because you live in hamilton canada which is kind of <laughs> like the detroit of uh, canada it's just a rough area right yeah it's pretty gnarly it's it's about five hundred thousand people and uh i was born in 71 so between 71 and and 93 i lived there and during that course of uh, those 23 years it was uh it was just a, a a nightmare yeah you know and um i think a lot of that kind of came into my dreams and and yeah and usually it's rooted in things that i don't have control of yeah and um and then i've created these very very vivid surreal scenarios and it's kind of like a groundhog day yeah so the, the, the characters change, but the feeling that the end result seems to be the same of, of helplessness and, and torment. It's pretty terrible at times, and I haven't had it in some time. So it's uh, it was a strange one last night. I kept waking up, and then when I go back in, it would create the same um, scene. 
Wait, is there a difference between night terror and nightmare? I don't. Is there? I don't know. I'm probably psychologist is probably banging his head against the wall. But I was. It was that night, and it was yeah. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Just like my comedy shows. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to be corny because we meet plenty of people in show business with a lot of success, and like it's never enough. And you always struck me as someone like very grateful for what what you have, you know, and. Um, I, I that that always makes me laugh when some of the great comedians they're they're very funny and they're very talented, and they say something revealing in life, and they have a lot of success, but at the same time, sometimes they're behaving in a way that uh, not a self-aware person would behave that way. Just just a, just difficult human being, you know, and then like. I don't think you, you do that ever, you know. My demons lie in other places, mm -hmm. you know. And um, it took me a long time to get to a place to really uh, not blame the universe for my situation. Yeah. And um, you, you kind of create your environment and I try and surround myself with people who kind of reciprocate and yeah. have the same ideas and... And uh, yeah, I'm I'm very lucky, you know. Every time I'm, you know, feeling um, no gratitude or anything, I get a, you know, I I see people that are nine to five people and the expressions on their face when they're traveling to sure. work. And I mean, we could very well be delusional trying to chase this thing, you know. Yeah, um, but that's know. the fun. I this thing is there's no end. It's a journey. Yeah. And the journey isn't always fun, you know? It's like, look at Indiana Jones. <laughs> you know what I mean? His buddy died on the way to get to the, oh, did I just put my head in a spider web? Probably gonna get bit by a black widow. Hmm. You okay? Yeah, I just got a web on me here. Um, <clears throat> We're recording in the patio, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's like uh, it's like a junkyard back here, old bicycles and barbecues. Um. No, I'm very lucky. You know, I've, because I think that we have traveled a lot. Um, you do pick up a lot of gratitude as you yeah. come home and you realize how good you've got it. You know what I mean? I mean, we, I, I'm sure in last epi last episode that you did with me, we probably talked about him. But Patrice O'Neill is one of the most talented, original thinking stand-up comic. But he passed away two, three years ago. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure he wished you would have been alive and continue on and you know like sure uh, but he created quite an, a legacy you know his whole for sure his careers uh will be uh you know, remember for a long time yeah most definitely and i think that's what but, gives but you, then again I, i'd rather be alive and be a mediocre you know <laughs> i don't know i don't know i don't that's what i think people tend to want to live forever and um I'm, uh, I, I i don't mean that either but um I don't. I don't have that problem because I'm. I'm at very, very best. If I really work hard and get lucky, I'll be above average. But there's some comfort knowing that. Guy like Patrice knew how great he was, and it was never. He was never satisfied. I don't think with himself because he's that good, you know. But and that's what made him great. Yeah. Because he 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 got comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of. I I was thinking about, you know, like. Jeremy Hotz is another like, funny guy. Brilliant, you know, but part of his brilliance is his his misery, misery. 
you know, he revels in it. And uh, that's what makes him so hilarious is he's constantly in a state of <laughs> of turmoil. But um, it's what kind of is the catalyst for his whole uh, hots. You know, it's great. He. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the guy, but the. Is he? I don't want to. Okay, maybe not him, but there are certain entertainers that we know. No matter how much success they have, they're just never going to be happy. You know. Mm. I think that's kind of some reverse psychology that they do with themselves, where they constantly put them. No matter how well they're doing, they they create a, a situation where they've fallen short. Yeah. So they're constantly reaching, which is a good way of putting the carrot in front of the donkey to kind of motivate it. You sure. Know? Um, nobody wants to hear from a happy comedian where everything's going right. <laughs> oh, know? so I guess we're not going to talk about Russell Peters tonight. <laughs> no, he's, a, he's a he's a funny one because he all the success hasn't changed him. He's a decent guy. Yeah, he doesn't use his wealth as a weapon either. Russell is such an anomaly. Yeah, not only as a person but as an entertainer, he's complete. What would you? You can't compare him to anything. There's no other person in the history of the invention of stand-up comedy that has created what he's created and maintained his values and his friendships. By the way, if you could hear the helicopter, this really is Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a police helicopter. They've been flying around all day. Yeah. Um, it's strange. They get really close, too, man. Like, they come in really close. Well, I, I was telling you, uh, my friend Mike Muratori, the comedian, you live at Echo Park. He used to say, the reason it's called Echo Park, because when, they, when people get murdered, you could hear their scream echoing throughout the neighborhood. Because <laughs> this neighborhood, I remember 10, 11 years ago, was... Ugh, yeah. It was a really rough fucking neighborhood, man. Yeah, it's it's all the hipsters have come in and painted it and cleaned it up. And whenever you have a hipster and gay people moving, that's when they clean up the whole neighborhood. Yeah, and it's 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 become you know the the, the second Silver Lake and or another uh, hip place. Yeah. Um, uh, what was it? Williamsburg and Brooklyn and stuff. These old dilapidated buildings and neighborhoods. Poor artists move into it and they tidy it up and sure and then. Then the, uh, the, the slum lord owners jack up the rent and then wealthier people move in and they migrate to another neighborhood and clean it up. Um, I'm, I'm just afraid. Like, I don't want to repeat what we did first episode. One, one thing I do want to jump in and ask a couple major points like um, Canada, Canada for a second. Where, where were some of the worst, like, I don't want to say worse, but like just not a good comedy scenes that you have to go and perform well first of all there's not outside of toronto yeah it all is kind of the same you it know? is toronto is like it's like new york yeah and vancouver's like los angeles so in between that there's comedy clubs that have been in various uh provinces for 10 20 30 years sure but there's no the, the secondary places like the open mics and stuff there might be one open mic in calgary or yeah. one open mic in edmonton um there's there a couple of comedy clubs in montreal but outside of the festival there's not really a lot going on there so it, to become a professional comic you got to go more or less where the stage time is and toronto has you can get on 10 night 10 times a week easily and I think more even now Vancouver, which wasn't like that when I started, there was just the one club and 
me and um, my friend Brad Brake would go around to these. I can't believe you knew the guy because yeah. I remember him years ago in Seattle. Were you living in Seattle? Yeah, and he'll, ah. he'll come in. When he used to do a show, he would take his T-shirt <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah, he's a wild He was man. the first guy who did that. And I remember, like, Bobby Lee did it, like others. But but he went all out. But uh, the whole time I saw him do it, I was always worried for him because <laughs> what little psychology classes I took, like, it was just like his emotion would go swing so extreme both winds, you know. Like, sometimes he think he had a bad show. I thought he, he, it was not, not bad at all. But he thought it was bad. He felt really bad, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If he, he was jilted in any negative way in the slightest, it would, it would just come down like a house of cards, which was, it was quite funny to see him have a full meltdown. <laughs> Somebody that was, it's something so minor. Yeah. And um, he would, it would just turn into a, a fucking, uh, an apocalyptic situation. And there was no point of return. And there's something magical about that where magical yeah i love i love bombing not necessarily bombing but how you deal with it yeah you know it used to really bother me when i had bad shows and it 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 does so used to it (laughs) i have it all the time (laughs) i'm like a abused wife yeah you're, you're like russell peters with none of the profile or money where and you're talent in ta- <laughs> and likability <laughs> like and a family <laughs> actually that's a bad uh example it's Jason. Totally terrible it's terrible uh well you're both asian oh that's even stretch but okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> by the way if you're listening to this you haven't heard the first episode number one fan of jason's russell peters russell uh love jason and think world of him and um, he's the one who was cheerleading uh, Jason's name to me. And it just showed that out of all the comedians I know, Russell really, really do believe in the idea of allowing other comedians to do what they do. He doesn't censor people. And I'm always astonished that um, yeah, the, he would put comedians that could, could give him a hard time going after that person. But he does not censor. I mean, this is, this yeah. is the indicative of when you were trying to do HBO special with Jim Norton down in Dirty, and you were so dirty that they said they can't put you on. Yeah, Whereas you ended up doing special for Russell, and he let you do whatever you want. So it it just shows, like, Russell really is committed to comedy and all forms of comedy. Yeah, he sent me a text message last week. He says, I believe in you 100%. And and, and that means so much. Another text I don't get from Russell Peterson. Go ahead. (laughs) And because I, I in it, there's not a lot of people that believe in what I do. You know, I'm my. I'm uh, a big fan. I appreciate it, but you you've taken the time and we've become friends over the years, over the last eleven years, twelve years. Now I've known you. Uh, it's we've, eleven years last month. You, you uh, have, yeah, it's crazy. Two months. So we've toured We're together. We're that much closer to death, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> we've toured together. We've got to know each other yeah. uh, personally and professionally, and. Um, and uh, not a lot of people, a lot of people just look at me as uh, at face value and make judgments off the back of that. Plus, because of what I'm doing, a lot of people are pussies and don't want to attach themselves to it because there's a lot of risk involved. And in a, a city full of pussies, there's not a lot of risk taking here. I, I think people worry the image that you might represent and they don't want to get tarnished and get in trouble for that, you know. But my values are honest and pure, you know what I mean? Yeah, and um, 
I don't want to say LA is a phony city. It's not. It's it's more nuanced, you know. Because for people from the East Coast to say like people in LA is phony, but yeah, you guys might be more honest and truthful. But are you hundred percent honest all the time? That's not practical in life either, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit more complicated. But um, I think they need to bring bullying back. I think people deserve to get more punches to the face. Because you, oh, uh, you live another day. You know, I think because everyone here sues and, and stuff. And I think a good Well, that's punch, one advantage I have over Russell. I have no money. So if I punch somebody, they yeah, can't sue me. That's, what I, that's great. Remember that time we were in improv and we were standing outside and this guy just started talking shit to us? Yeah, he was talking shit to everybody. And uh, my first response, I was already ready to punch the guy in the face. But I already know what would happen. He's drunk. So he's going to go down and be banned from going there ever again. Well, he said something to me, and I turned to him. He was two big guys were standing behind him. And um, he Security, said. Security, right? Yeah, yeah. Just some other fucking boneheads. I don't know if they were with him or not. And mm-hmm. he said something to me, and I turned to him, and I looked at him. And he looked at me and goes, I've been knocked out before. Oh, that's right. Right? Yeah. And I'm just like, when somebody responds with this is a regular thing for me in my yeah. life, then there, it's just this fucking dead wheat piece of shit. You know what I mean? I, I you just cut his head off and throw him in a fucking wood chipper. They're just scumbags and they're not worth it. Plus, you know, when you punch somebody in the face and their tooth breaks the skin, your hand swells up. I've yeah. had broken, I've had screws in my hands. Yeah. And I, I don't have the health coverage, but I'd really like to just take a fucking nine iron and just beat him into a coma and no one would miss him. Yeah. Because that's how that's how he deals with his life on a daily basis. He anticipates a, a beating. It, it was hard, man, because um, I had a similar thing a couple of times in Sweden when I was there from November 2013 to February 2014. And evidently, I didn't know this, even verbally trying to threaten somebody in Sweden, that's considered assault. And I almost got in trouble, you know. Oh, did you have a problem in Sweden with somebody? Um, two, one at the comedy club and one at Adil's place. Adil just what? Adil is our, our friend and a Pakistani Swede. He's a Swedish citizen, a Pakistani descendant. He's a funny comedian, and he just told me he's gone for the day. But there'll be somebody within in the apartment complex that he lived in will come in and change the light bulb, or they're going to check something in maintenance. They, they had a, some kind of inspection or something like that, but. This guy knocked on the door and he was just ready to help himself walk in and say like, hey, what are you doing? You know, yeah, and I have to go and leave to do a show at a place called Big Ben to do a comedy show. So Now's not a good time. Yeah. But he was one of those like swarmy guy with like kind of like he's white. He was, but I don't want to say all oh, white people. Most sweets are not like that. But he was just like one of those annoying guy. Like, oh, it's OK. Like it was like 9 p.m. You should he was no. supposed to be there way earlier, you know, but basically if he come in and, and, and I don't know what he would have done. And yeah, you book ahead. You say, I'm going to be around 9 o'clock. Could you be available? Yeah, he, I mean, he said, Adil basically told me this guy's going to be there earlier than that. I'm, I'm ready to leave. So basically, he just annoyed me. And the way he was approaching it was like a real jerk. And like, I basically thought, you know exactly what I'm saying. And I'm not going to let you just walk in here because I can't let you. If something happened. Yeah, you're responsible. I'm responsible and, and like that. I don't like that. So and basically he was kind of living pushy. And like next thing you know it, um, it got escalated. He said something and uh, he didn't threaten me, but he said like fuck. And like once he crossed that line, I told him, fuck you. I'm going to 
punch your face and break your fucking face in or something like that. <laughs> That's great. So, um, <laughs> which I didn't want to do it, but uh, I don't like I don't like feeling like he had complete disregard for me because yeah. something happened. I don't like that. And he's late and I have to leave. So anyway, he talked to a deal later on and like I put a deal in like a bad spot. But I think by now he sold the place so he doesn't have to deal with the guy. Yeah. And second time was I wasn't doing a show at Big Ben and basically uh, it was sexually explicit material. So two ladies sitting in the front of the show Ugh. walked and left. And I guess their friends were sitting back in the corner and there are three women. And uh, because they were kind of annoyed, they were being passive aggressive and they were kind of talking to each other really loud. And I told her, like, I could tell that she was upset. <laughs> I don't have a problem. You don't like me. I don't have a problem. You don't like my show. But when you're interrupting on purpose in a passive aggressive way. Moral high ground. Moral high ground. But when they're doing that and, and, and basically because she's doing that, rest of the room can hear. Yeah. She basically saying that rest of the room ha they don't have the right to hear what i'm saying i didn't like that that's what i didn't like i hate that shit. yeah when somebody is so disruptive like okay everyone we're leaving no 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 no. you've made a decision to not appreciate this and you have a right to leave yeah. but as far as pulling the rug out from the rest of the show yeah that's fucking that's a cunt move right there yeah so yeah no but fuck those so that's I say something verbally, I, I guess, because like, it is sexual assault or something like that, you know. But um, but after the show, at least the guys behind the uh, bar and the guys, they were talking like that's the kind of stuff they need. These girls need to hear, you know. Yes. And uh, because I wasn't, I wasn't being a dick, but I just I, I when I break it down like that, like you're tr you're taking the right for the rest of the room to hear it, and I don't think you have right to do that. Then they clap and they're on my side. And you know what? Too, I don't want to use the C bomb right away. They you know? they think it's theater. Yeah. And they want to be entertained in the theater context, but they're in a bar in a basement yeah. on a weekday with booze, with everyone's clearly over the uh, legal age. And they're attractive girls. I don't think they're used to guys talking to them that way either. No, because they want to be better, even though they're all fucking filthy whores and they're hypocrites in most cases. Probably most of those women were probably pedophiles. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I don't even know no. them. But they were probably offended by some of the pedophilia humor that you were making. Yeah. And it bothered them because they raped children. No, but I didn't do any pedophile joke. But just simply looking at my face, you know that it's a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, Swedes and, and Norwegians can, they can get a little uppity if, if it's not up to standard. I, I, I for think, them. No, uh, funny thing is, like, I, I think it's the same reason why some white people, uh, you want to pause it? I'll pause it. Yeah. All right. All right, we're back. Jason, you got a cigarette. There you go. I know. I picked up a cigarette habit. I didn't start smoking until I was in my 30s. That's that's a weird one, Jason, because it's usually other way around. Like, you reach, like, in the early 20s. By then, if you haven't smoked, chances yeah. are you're not going to pick it up. I picked it up via the... Um, I smoke pot. Yeah. And when I moved to England, well, I started smoking pot in England, but they put tobacco in their joint, the spliffs. So yeah. I picked up a tobacco habit off of it. But I take some time off. It's I gotta I get rid of it this year. I'm starting to get tr exercise a little more, and uh, it, this is definitely it's terrible, terrible thing. We're in the age you really have to, man. I know you're you're perfectly fat because you're. I've never known you as a fat guy, so you walk a lot because yeah. you don't drive. So that's a, actually kind of good thing for you. And yeah, I exercise here and there. Yeah. And, uh, I but mainly I'm very picky with my food. I, I cook and shop for my own things and, yeah. and um, uh, that's helped a lot 
you know, most people that are my age, um, tend, it's, it's, it's it's terrible. Tend to look shit, but you're older than me. You look fucking great too. You you haven't aged uh, at all. But you've I, also, I, I feel it, and I I I, uh, I need to lose um, not, five pounds. No, I need to lose not quite ten kilo, but like uh, like eight kilo. I want to lose. I want to be back to where I was like seven, eight years ago, one eighty. I'm like one ninety six, one ninety seven. Yeah, but you're also six. What six two? Six one almost. Six one. But I don't like it. I don't like being feeling heavy because I think when I walk around, I I notice a big difference. Yoga. In water, you do yoga three times a week and drink water. You'll get you'll get that back. I'm addicted to sugar, man. That's, that's really, really? Hard. you got yeah. sweet tooth. Uh, that's one thing I am not addicted to. Chocolate, sweets. I do like gummy bears when they've got weed in them. <laughs> it's <laughs> dangerous whenever I go Russell's place because he's Russell Peters because he's so generous. Like, oh, I have cake, this and that. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's, candies. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think humans are meant to consume as much sugars. So, I, we are doing right now, you know. Refined sugar, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's terrible. It's but going going back, Nor Norway and uh, Sweden. Norway people are wonderful. They they don't complain, and I've never had experience where they talk back to you. Sweden, you see a little bit about that, but PC shit is really strong in Sweden. Uh, well, no, no. Uh, let me Finish, take a, they let don't me, give let a let fuck. Me, let me take it back. Uh, Stockholm, because I've been to other towns away from uh, Stockholm. And people are really down to earth and wonderful. You working know? class. Yeah. That's what comedy works at its best. When you get working class people, rich people like mm -hmm. in Oslo or Stockholm, they come out and treat live entertainment like they go to see any play or something. That's really strange. They they get, it's it's disruptive to their life. They're, they're very, they take it personal and they, they, don't, they don't get it. And that's the problem is they just don't get it. Yeah, and... Um, and this oh. is a small. This is a small percentage of. The yeah, United. yeah. Most of it's great. I, I love but it. But they, they, they're very respectful. They really consider stand-up comedy as artists, not knowing what most of the comedians are like, and it's very questionable group of people. Oh, in any country. Yeah. But you know, there, there are, uh, there are comrades, and we uh, take them all in. All the broken toys. <laughs> I, I have to say that's one thing that um, we'll go back to Scandinavia and Canada back, but. Um, um, I knew you're a really decent guy when um, when he when he told me because I always felt about it the same way, but I never said it publicly. Where every time you hear a comedian passes away or something bad happened to them, you really feel for them, you know. Even yeah. the ones that you didn't know, and it doesn't matter if you're successful or not. And it weighs heavy on my heart. When, yeah, when comedians die. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> it's a weird. I'm actually a little choked up right now. Um, no, I remember when when I flew in that uh, last time I saw you in Sweden. As soon as I landed, you told me Patrice passed away. Yeah, and like you know that uh, I feel bad because last time I saw him, it was pretty much a fight, and that's the last time I saw him. You know, and yeah, it was a really strange week, and I'm sure we talk about it in the last episode because that same week, young Swedish comedian killed himself. Right? I don't remember that guy's name, but uh, yeah, he did. He hung himself, I think, if I remember right. That's yeah, popular Scandinavian. Suicide is hanging. Yeah, a, a lot of um, it's been a lot of deaths over the last seven years in, in the comedy. A friend of mine in Finland, he 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 drank and fell asleep in the snow mm -hmm. and died. Um, yeah, there's been a bunch of bunch of them suicide, a lot of suicides and sure and substance abuse. You know, I I, I think I think a lot of a lot of comedians uh, get in because. 
maybe they don't admit to themselves. Maybe they're suffering from emotional problem, mental illness. You know, and this, I think that's a. I don't have a scientific way of proving, but I think my gut feeling tell me I think most comedians will agree with that. Yeah. And recently, we lost uh, Robin Williams to suicide, and of course, Joan Rivers, and two different circumstances. You know, but um, it's sad when you see people like that. I'm mean, I'm sad I never met either one of them. I really am sad. If there is some sort of alternate I'll, I'll afterlife and the fact that Joan Rivers and Rob Williams will come together in some ether is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, Rob and going, hey, Joan, you're here too? This is cool. We get someone to hang out. They got weed here. No, there's no pressure. It's going to be great. Relax. And maybe Joan will be in an afterlife looking the way she did when she was in her early 20s, you know? Fuckable. She was a good-looking woman, actually, but yeah. she says she didn't think she was pretty, and that, that kind of motivated her to pursue comedy, I think. Yeah, it, it's a good way to kind of fill in a blank. Yeah. You know, if you're missing other elements in your happiness and having strangers applaud you kind of makes you feel pretty good. Yeah. But uh, I remember I read something by Dick Cavett, very famous American comedian and commentator and um, a, TV, TV personality. Yeah, great show. But he said he he saw Robin Williams like three four years ago at some club and he, massive killings standing O, and uh, I'm paraphrasing what Robin Williams told Dick Cavett, but basically said, isn't it funny that he's able to make room for people laugh, but there's one person that he couldn't make happy and laugh is himself, and yeah, it's probably true. I mean, his style seems so manic, you know, like I mean, extreme energy and. And I'm sure he suffered a fucking black dog, as uh, Winston Churchill used to call it, the depression, you know. Yeah. It's and Jonathan Winter has suffered the same thing. I think they were very close friends, but Jonathan Winter also suffered from depression, too. Yeah, and when you get those two people together, usually they either help each other or destroy one another, you know. Yeah, it's a tough one, you know. I've dealt with it for most of my life, and uh, it just gets so grim sometimes that you're... You don't know where the light is in it, the whole thing. Yeah. It's really troublesome. But I try and uh, do that with momentum. The more busier I am, the more creative I am, the more active I am doing something that brings me joy. It's a great distraction and it's good for everybody, you know. And then your, prob- uh, your stage persona is great because he's such a friendly guy. But you're saying these awful things in such a friendly smile, you know. <laughs> It's almost like a tricking them. Like it's confusing to people, I think. Yes. Uh, yes. Like when it's I, the charm of your performance, you know? Very few people or it's in passing where they say, Oh, I really liked what you did. It's like they're almost ashamed for enjoying it because they Because um, you're so likable, it, it almost trick people think like, I guess I'll laugh at this, but normally I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's my whole uh, access for my comedies to make people feel guilty for what they're laughing at. <laughs> I really enjoy taking a very straight, normal person and then pulling them into my world yeah. and making them enjoy it. And um, it's it's like a wild roller. It's like being on a roller coaster where there, there's dead animals showering down on you while you're on the ride. And then you get to get off and they hose you off and you go on to the next one. Um... So overall, you're doing okay. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm very lucky. You know, I I'm, I just did this uh, Showtime special with Andrew Dice Clay, 
which was something I had. I looked at the whole spectrum of comedy. Yeah. And I thought I looked at comedians that had careers that I kind of idolized and looked up to. And even more so in recent in the last few years, Dice is fucking great. I loved Dice growing up. And even before <laughs> even thinking about doing stand up, I remember him. And there's no more of it, though. That's the thing. There's only one Dice and there has been nothing since. You know what I mean? In the same vein, a, a tell, you yeah. know what I mean? But outside of a tell and dice, really, you know, Otto and George, unfortunately, they've... Rest in peace, yeah. Yeah, Otto's gone and um, that kind of stuff is its kind of extinct or in limbo at this point. And Joey Diaz is doing a good job yeah, of reviving Joey, it. You definitely, know. definitely. Joey's um, a force of nature and uh, he's, again, There's there's a handful of us that are kind of doing in that that kind of no holds barred kind Jim of performance. Jim Norton's that way too. And, mm -hmm. and last, uh, I remember one time I was I went to dinner with him. It was very odd because it was me, him, his manager Jonathan Branstine, and across from us from our table in uh, some fancy restaurant was Brody Stevens, Zach Galifianakis, and uh, it was a Sunday night, and just pure coincidence that night. Bored to Death, the sitcom that uh, Galifianakis used to do on HBO, uh. also happened to be the one episode where Jim was on. So it was just like a weird, surreal situation. And two great camps, yeah. like uh, um, um, Zach and Brody own what they do. Yeah, There's no comparison, as in, in, in the same with uh, Norton and Dice. Uh, and Dice. Very distinct, but they're, they're in different camps, kind yeah. of, but they, they, there's a mutual respect. For sure. Most and after I'm um, Zach and I say hello to Brody and him, they left. Then after they left, within 10 minutes, Dice and his wife showed up and we were having dinner with them. And um, I, I, I say I met him once. He was very nice through Brody Stevens. But this is the first time I ever had dinner and talked to him. But <laughs> I don't know the guy. He's really good at fishing out and figure out how to make someone uncomfortable, I think. Because yeah. <laughs> he keeps saying, like, what the fuck are you looking at my wife? Like, I'm not, you know, like, I wasn't even looking at his wife. I was like, I was not looking at, what, she's not good looking? Look at my wife? Like, you know, it, it, no matter what I said, he was teasing me, but, like, I was kind of sweating there, you know? Like, I don't know the guy. I don't want to embarrass him in front of Jim and Branstein, but... Um, yeah. You, but Jim used to open for Dice many years ago. Yeah, you know? I know Dice helped him out quite a bit. Quite a bit. You got know? I mean, got... got Get Jim on Opie and Anthony, great radio show, rival of Howard Stern show. They're very well in New York City. And, uh, you know, Jim was ever grateful for um, um, Dice. And, of course, last three or four years, Dice had a huge revival career. It's Entourage, great. Woody Allen movie, and he's selling up all the shows, you know. It's yeah, great. He's in, I'm going to see him in Vegas on Friday. I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, it, it's great. It's really good. And, and I know you killed on the special uh, where Dice is hosting the show. You know. Yeah, it was so good. To have him introduce me. I'm getting goosebumps right now. To have Dice, because, again, I was, like, really looking at his career and yeah. then getting asked to do that show. I was. I didn't know how I would interact or, or yeah. read Dice. I know some of his close friends and stuff, but... We just don't really travel in those same circles. Eleanor did it too, right? Yeah, Eleanor. She killed it. She's great. I'm sure. Yeah. She, Eleanor is such a sweetheart and uh, an assassin. You know what I mean? She's she's a doll. 
off stage. She's an old school comic. Oh, she's all about material and and performance. You know? Yeah, she's great and she kicks ass. She's just cool. She's very cool. I, I really enjoy her company and uh, and I think she's definitely a, an asset to the the comedy community, big time. Um, so this hopefully uh, this uh, special comes out as soon as possible. Yes, and uh, I know that you will let me know. Um, I know um, I can't wait to see it. Um, but is there other things that you want to do in stand-up comedy world that the uh, is goal of yours, like sitcom or something? Or at this point, oh, I, I think for 2015, I really would like to work in every state in the United States. Okay, I really like to go to every major city across America. Yeah, and recoup some of the stage experience that I've lost by kind of not idling, but there's a lot of downtime in Los Angeles. And I went from the world's best comedy circuit in the world, uh, living in London for five years to showing up in Los Angeles to doing these shows for 99% of them for no money. Yeah, Most of them are very difficult to get on. Um, and even if you get on, and that's a funny thing with LA comedy scene, it's like audience are there for wrong reason. They're not even there to laugh, you know. It's just no, really goofy. They're going. They're they come to comedy clubs like the, the in the same context as how they go to a zoo on a safari, <laughs> and they drive around. They they come to the comedy club and they want to see what kind of exotic animal that they're going to bring out and if they recognize it. Sure. Um, but the the, the the key of that is just being undeniably good that you can't be ignored, yeah. regardless of what kind of profile you have or celebrity. You know what I mean? I, I, I Yeah. That that seems just so mystifying to me. Like you, you literally have to drive like a little bit outside of LA to get real audience. Um, but when you drive out to LA, the audience that you get, see, that's the... the I don't, I don't want to say all oh, LA audience are bad. I'm just saying I've seen enough of those kinds of room where it's almost like imposing comedy in a room full of people that didn't want to watch comedy. Mm. That's the weird, odd thing. You yeah, know? they're very judgmental and, uh, and yeah, a lot of tourists come out. They want to come see famous people. They look at stand-up comedy like a, a TMZ ride, you know, celebrity homes. Uh and they just want to drive past them and maybe see something that they can go like home. Like just today when you were doing the show, Chris D'Elia was there. And I think people recognized him from TV stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Chris is a big a big star in, yeah. in the United States. And uh, they, they they love him. And But uh, he, Chris also delivers, too, you know. Yeah. You can't go up. And I've seen some of the biggest comedians in the world. And if you're not funny, it, it really, their, their kind of enthusiasm dissipates very quickly. Sure. I mean, first, if you're like super famous comedian, you go up, they'll give you benefit of doubt and a lot of clap and laughter. But the ones that die down, you have to deliver. And a lot of them do deliver in L.A., you know, because they know the danger of not delivering. People There's remember. a lot of pressure, yeah. you know, and I can see it as, as them as a performer. I can see them kind of navigating and picking when they want to go on so yeah. they can look the best that they can. Sure. And then there's comedians like myself where I'm kind of, well, you'll go on after him. Yeah. I don't have a hit TV show or, or any of that, but uh, it does give you a chance to shine. But they, uh, they, there is a lot of pressure, and, and it's the American dream, and everyone's trying to hold on to it, you know? And you just you have to fight through it because 
Uh, there was one point these stars, people didn't know who they were, so you kind of have to fight through it. But mm. you're, you're right, I've done shows where famous comic, me, the famous person. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when I went up, like, they're confused, like, who ordered the Chinese or something, you know? And uh, yeah. just puzzle, puzzling look, and just kind of have to fight through the doubtful look that they give you, you know? Definitely. And you can use it in your favor, too, because it's there's immediate tension with between you and the audience yeah so there's a, a option or an opportunity for you to create a, a laugh in that tension moment you know um you know try going on after Chappelle and dane cook and you know on and on and on but uh i've had that's a murder moments murder of throw. greatness after these guys and i've sometimes i've died horrible deaths especially when the audience is within seconds They've uh, they've gotten up and they've uh, they're walking out during the course of the show. Sure. Hey, um, going back going back to Canada. So, um, let me ask you: like, when you when you have you performed like Northwest Territory? No, I'd like to. Like, I'd like to go, you know, in the Alaska and stuff like that. But no, I think the farthest. Like, isn't there a place called White Horse in Canada? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why did you laugh? Uh, I used to date a girl from White Horse. And what's it? What's that like? It's like what is that? Like North Dakota, uh, Canada? I can't. I don't even know. Like, I've been in like Northern Ontario and Thunder Bay and things like that. But no, there's nothing there, man. Occasionally, I don't even think there's gigs there. Huh. And like in Yellowknife and and places like that there's just no one cares and usually there's no money so unless you're a local guy trying to get a comedy scene going there's really not a lot of motivation to go they're I'm, beautiful places but i mean i perform vancouver calgary edmonton saskatoon which you laugh a lot but you know that you know regina and regina like that, they they think that's a funny name but they they always think I'm a Native American and like, you know, like, no, I have to explain to them like, oh, I don't know what you're saying. And, you know, I'm not Native American and uh, Montreal and Toronto. You should just sure. say, you think I'm a Native American? I can smell my breath. Is there any booze on that? <laughs> but That's plum sauce. I buddy. know it sounds mean, but like, God, it's so shocking. Like, it's there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, I think most of the people smell like they were drunk when they were asking me. for. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> and the people who were driving me around in Canada, they were drunk. Well, yeah, there's nothing to do. They're drinking and driving. Oh, of course. And the guys are like, this is okay. I know what I'm doing. But like the whole time thinking like I have the American mentality. Like you might as well say you're going to smoke cigarettes in the airplane because that behavior seems so old. Like I was shocked. He, he thought it was funny that he was drinking and driving at the same time. Yeah, well, the cops won't beat you into a coma. If you get a DUI in Northwest Territories. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, John, come on. Stop drinking. Yeah. You know, we've warned you three, 19 times now. <laughs> Could you slow it down? There's you're, there's a school district here. I was scared to death when he was doing it. I don't even remember that guy, but he was laughing at driving. And I had a CPU I'm like, holy fuck, man. I tried to hitchhike from Vancouver to Hamilton. Yeah. Which is literally across country. And um, when I was uh, got picked up by we, me and my buddy, the pickup truck, these guys were drinking and throwing beer cans out the window and flooring it down these old logging roads and stuff. And it's just a matter of fact out there for them. Yeah, I mean, they they were, 
he was drinking beer and then as soon as he's done, he throw that can or bottle out of the window. Yeah. It's and, just a it's just a regional thing, you know. Alcohol is to just get through the downtime. And what is that coffee place? Something Horton? Tim Horton. Tim Horton. Yeah. yeah. He he <laughs> he stopped by and said, let's get some coffee. We're like, Jesus, you know. Um, it's not very good. Plus they just get the cup so they can pour whiskey in it. I mean, is there such thing as Canadian dream? <laughs> you know what? I was thinking, I was actually using that as a, a premise I've been idling over. What I is Canadian dream? Doing better than previous generations? To own a Tim Hortons. Shut up. <laughs> I don't know. We don't have, like, there's no star system in Canada. So there's no one interested in, like, if they want to go be in a movie or, I mean, making comparisons to the American dream, like have a, your own reality show. Yeah. There's really none of that there. And if it is, it's in a small kind of um, increment. So I don't know what the Canadian... To have a job yeah. and a family, it's kind of very simple, you know. Watch the hockey game or maybe uh, maybe be, any, any, be a hockey player, I would say. That would be a big Canadian dream. Be a, If you were a hockey player... If you're a man, that's that's like one big one. Yeah, and if you're a, a woman... Have, a, have Don Cherry talk about you. Yeah, yeah, definitely Don Cherry. <laughs> um, Explain to people who Don Cherry is quickly. I, a, a, a Canadian dream for a woman is maybe to fuck a hockey player. Ah. They call them puck bunnies. What's they, what do they call? Puck bunnies. Like hockey puck? Yeah. Puck bunnies. The girl, the hockey groupies. For those of you who don't know, Don Cherry is a big hockey commentator. Yeah, how would you... But he is so he looks like a car used car salesman. Yeah, yeah, he's got crazy he sells suits. hockey. But boy, <laughs> you have an image of Canadian being sweet, nice person. But boy, when it comes to hockey, he's he gets you in your face. He's the closest thing to Americanized Canadian. Like, yeah, he's like Bobby Slayton of hockey. Yeah, he has that kind of Bobby Slayton disposition. And he doesn't take shit for anybody, and he's saying how. Bunch of pussy European hockey players compared to Canadians. <laughs> he does. Uh, he's very proud, and uh, he knows the game. You know, he knows. He knows the game. Like I didn't give a shit about hockey until I listened to Don Cherry talk. He's, he's very entertaining. He's very entertaining. Yeah, he, he's what what uh, I would call Canadian version of uh, talk loudy and carry big stick. That's the guy, Don yeah. Cherry. Yeah, you know, he, he but he's very well respected. And um, I respect him. I don't. I don't know what he's talking because I don't know the history. And neither do I. I don't watch it. I'm but not, it's so entertaining. I'm not a fan of the Tragically Hip, which I know you don't know that band. Uh, I don't play hockey. I never watched it. It was that was something that rich kids did. Yeah, you know what I mean. We didn't. You know, I grew up in in Kenora Avenue, which is a, a pretty ghetto place in Hamilton. Sure. And. Um, that was, you know, that wasn't an option. These kids getting up in the morning to go play hockey, like buying all the equipment and doing all that stuff. You know, you know, we we didn't have a car. You know, it's 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 uncanny the stuff when you're telling me because the place I grow up is a place called Taishoku, which is like a district in Osaka, Japan, which is like second or third largest city. In yeah, Japan. how many years were you there? Like what years? Uh, I was almost eleven. I was living there, but it's a rough neighborhood. Um, I, I went to dinner with my friend Stan Chen. Wait, what's Japanese rough? I'm a little curious. Is it like gang related? I'm I saw when I was a kid, I saw somebody getting stabbed. Um, is that a, a go-to move for a Japanese thing? Is, is, is it the knife? There's not a lot of shootings, is there? 
there are sh there are guns they are very difficult to get um but gangsters will use it on others yeah and i think japanese cops tend to be more pragmatic like th their way of thinking is if a bunch of pe bad people are killing other bad people it's kind of sad but i mean they're not going to make a big deal out of it they just it's don't like innocent people getting killed yeah the gangs can kill each other are mm -hmm. you are you tall I'm very tall for a while. Well, I mean... Like, when, you, when you're when you in Japan, do people kind of go, do you play sports because you're height or... I, I think when I was, like, late teen, early 20s, when I went back to Japan, I, I really stuck out. But, I mean, there's been a lot of changes the last 20, 30 years where nutrition's a lot better. There's more money for beef. They're getting taller and taller. But I would say I'm still, like, relatively speaking, pretty damn tall. Yeah, I was for, in, And excuse my ignorance here. Is Hong Kong in Japan? No, that's part of China. Sorry. It was a territory of UK until 1997. It was a result of, I think, opium war, and they signed like 99 to 100 year concession or something like that. But it was sent, returned to China. But my understanding is that since Hong Kong makes a lot of money, mainland Chinese government didn't want to get involved in the internal affair of Hong Kong as long as they keep making that fucking money. But until 1997, there was a lot of fear like, you know, it's going to be like the fall of Saigon and shit, you know. That's why you have a lot of Chinese moved to Vancouver, Canada, because they were afraid once the Chinese government took over Hong Kong, they're going to lose oh. all their wealth. So that Vancouver, was a, Vancouver is full of Japanese. I Chinese. Know, or sorry, Chinese. There are Japanese too, but um, they're mostly Chinese. Massive Asian population. And, there's, and because of that, there's been an influx of construction and, and, and the city is, well, there's a lot of money coming in from that neighborhood. <laughs> but it's also true, quite often it's true, like people with money doesn't necessarily mean they have a good taste. And they'll be doing this all kinds of stupid things in Vancouver, Canada, where they will buy two homes next to each other that is classic Victorian homes. They'll tear it down and make this gigantic gaudy home looks like belongs in Vegas or something. Yeah. And not respecting that uh, neighborhood quality of life, you know. And um, I could understand if I was a Canadian, it would be very upsetting that somebody don't show a little bit of respect. But that's the difference of um, taste. It's, yeah, it's also a young country. So the, mm -hmm. the buildings that are old and, and kind of there were... They're... Uh, they were right for that time, but it, the city's going through a lot of changes and stuff. Sure, But yeah, you're going to run into... Some people just don't want anything to change, but there's no way around it. It's nice that they come to a, another country and brought a lot of money to that country, you know? Mm. But, um, also, also, gangs. Yes. There's been... Uh, uh, somebody was executed on their wedding day. The, the bride and groom were killed in front of a restaurant in the middle of the day. And they're Chinese? I think so. That's that sounds like something that happened within the community. Yeah. yeah. The first year I, when I moved to Vancouver in '93, um, my we couldn't afford a, a place to live, or we were looking for a place. So we rented a car that we were driving around and looking for apartments and yeah. jobs, and we slept in the same park where they found a, a a body with no head and no hands. Was it Stanley Park? Yeah. It was. Yeah. 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 yeah Stanley Park. And um, Asian, also they knew it was an Asian guy, but yeah. they couldn't identify him because his head and hands were missing. Isn't that a warning? <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm Asian, but I'm not that Asian where I depend on it. I 
people in my background's community to support me, you know? So um, it's really hard for recently immigrant. They don't know how to live in a new country. So they're kind of trapped in that community. And sometimes all the baggage that go with that group, yeah. you have to deal with that, you know? It's familiar to them. Yeah. And, you know, if, if they say like Asian gangs, like I don't have a dealings with them because I don't live in that neighborhood and I won't fuck with them and they won't fuck with me. Unless I'm looking for problems, you know? Yeah. Don't um, do stupid shit in your neighborhood you're not welcome in. Yeah. But overall, Vancouver, Canada is such a breathtakingly beautiful place. And I'm very sad I haven't been there in, I mean, probably eight, nine years. Oh, you, you probably wouldn't recognize it unless someone told you it was Vancouver. There's so much growth there. I, I go there maybe every two, three years. Yeah. And there's just cranes building constantly it's just skyscrapers what's the street granville granville yeah 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 great street great street but my favorite was richard and seymour richard and seymour richard street and seymour oh yeah yeah, yeah. they're parallel that's where all the hookers hang out yeah and the heroin addicts <laughs> and my god i that i don't know what it is now but back in those days i used to go there Tons i, I could process. not believe how good looking they were it's insane i've seen twin prostitutes on down by science world we used to, my when i before i even did oh is my, that the science of like a giant globe yeah yeah, yeah yeah my friends uh there was a bar there that i used to go to i stayed in the hostel yeah right across from there from the ivanhoe yeah and um it was terrible it was dirty needles and, and roaches everywhere it was bad and then, oh, is that the like east side or east end or whatever yeah that? east van no that's I, I heard like that was the worst place in canada oh it's it's terrible and that was my right off the airplane we ended yeah. up there and um the uh um, i got my dick sucked there i remember in vancouver in the the east end area really yeah just waiting for a bus or was <laughs> it a hooker i don't know what she was <laughs> <laughs> a heavy sleeper by the sounds of it but um <laughs> it was so cheap like and it was what's the etiquette do you have to wear a condom for that kind of stuff i didn't <laughs> <laughs> this is such a long time ago that i don't think i had i, I never had anything funny things i should have gotten aids or something by now but <laughs> but but this is like over 20 years ago like early i mean that's funny like I but when age was just starting to get popular yeah it's i i was there i guess when you were there too and it's kind of su surprising that we were because i was living in in uh, washington state from 1990 through 2003 okay so that 13 years so every once in a while we'll go canada and stuff you know uh -huh. and um yeah vancouver's great it's really nice you know the summer in vancouver the winters are quite grim um but if you're outdoorsy person you can go snowboard you know you can you could ski do you could buy weed stuff. you could smoke marijuana at stanley oh, park yeah. nobody bothers you yeah um and uh it rains the the winters i worked as a roofer in north van and uh some of those days it's just like every morning you wake up open the curtain and yeah. you're like motherfucker it's not just raining it's pouring, pouring. and it, it's like a rainforest it's but very, it, it didn't bother me that much because i'm from seattle and, and the weather wasn't really that big of a difference yeah exactly I, 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 so you're fact, familiar seattle can be a, a quite a grim winter i'm sure here comes my lunch is it a cockroach no. Oh, it's a cat. Whose cat is that? <laughs> that's 
That's June's cat. Oh, I don't. I call him Mittens. I don't think his name's Mittens. Or but but, but I, I love Vancouver. Um, Toronto was fantastic. Um, Have you been to Calgary, Edmonton? I been. I got. I got banned from Canada from because when I went. Uh, um, who's? Wait. Why am I forgetting his name? Hey, Jason. How you doing? What What's going on? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Edmonton. Oh, uh, uh, um, Welby. Welby. Yes. Oh God. Well, we hey, Yoshi. That's hey how he guys. told. Yeah, he uh, was coming out here off and on, and he just kind of went off the radar. I haven't heard from him for a long time. Yeah. and um, He's, he's going to shoot up a school one of these days. He needs to get fucked. I mean, Welby is the guy I met the same day I got banned from Canada. That was a, He lives in Edmonton? Yeah. Okay, so I got in trouble, and I got banned, and I, I could perform one show. The next day I have to leave, and then never... I haven't been back Canada. Well, I've been there twice. Once I sneaked in because I drove through Can- uh, from Seattle to Vancouver and didn't check my passport back in those days. But other time I went in is I had to pay like 200, 250 Canadian dollars to have a permission to go in. Every time now? Yeah. As a fine? Yeah. But you haven't done anything wrong. No, but I got in trouble. I got banned from Canada for 10 years. Yeah, but the trouble you got in was... A flip decision on morality. You're not guilty of child pornography. No, you had, you had porn and some some titles that you'd written down, and they just put those together and made a case out of it. But 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 what got me in trouble is basically I was working in Canada without oh, any okay. paperwork. But okay, it's kind of bullshit because out of all the weird looking people in the plane, they pulled me out of lineup. Had a lot of questions for me, you know. Really, after you've been seated? Oh, when I got out of the plane, when I landed in Edmonton. They were kind of waiting for you. No, 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 no. They just when I they when I was talking to customs, they like they said, okay, go to the secondary area. I don't know why, you know. Yeah. I don't have a record at the time, and but now I do. You know, I'm banned from Canada for ten years, so I had to wait two more years before I could go back. Really? Unless I'm willing to pay two hundred fifty dollars going in permission to, you know. Yeah, if the work, if you're. Uh on the up and up, paying two hundred fifty bucks, and you mm-hmm. can make X amount of dollars. It's an occupational hazard. I don't. I don't mind, but like, I would like to go back because I do miss Canada. I had a good time there, and yeah. uh, oddly, when I do podcasts, I do get some Canadians saying, "When are you coming to Canada?" And like, I would like to, but do they? Have you gotten any feedback from your Finland trip? They Denmark, like me over there, um, mostly from Finland and Denmark, Sweden and Norway. I'm not sure. I mean, when I Sundsvall, which is north of Stockholm, like five hours north. Some guy drove like five hours to see me, you know. <laughs> that's awesome. Isn't that's that crazy? Of, but that's shocking <laughs> that's when I could... Some big Viking. Yo, he, she. Yo, she. He was fan of from whatever the show I'm on, but. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that shocked the shit out of me. Like, I don't think I would drive five hours to see anyone, really. You wouldn't drive five minutes to see anybody. Yeah. And... <laughs> that's cool, though, but they invest in you. You know, and that's the cool thing about it. And it, but because of that, you need to come up with new stuff, and you need to keep expanding on it because they they're so um, consumed by it. They love it. It's really good. I like that. I love it. I love it when I I'm hear gonna people add drive. more stuff. Growing up in Japan, you know, like my neighborhood, it's just like it was all gangs and shit mm-hmm. when I was growing up. Because everybody have this image of Japan. The cat staring at the wall. Where? What is it? The cat? Yeah, it's just staring at the wall. Oh. Many many of the images that the people have of Japan is basically like all this wonderful, awesome, sweet, high-tech shit. But 
I'm sorry, but that's not my fucking experience. Most people, most people in America think Canada is very peaceful. Everybody's nice, universal health insurance, and on and on. But what the what little experience you told me, it just seemed like, ooh, that's really rough. Yeah, it's like any place, you know. There's always exception to the rule. You, you know. Definitely, you get a lot of stereotypes that people kind of want to be true, and um, that's not the case. You know, the world is becoming a very singular consciousness with the social media and the internet and everything everybody's plugged into one another hey jason um i think we might have to stop for a second and put new batteries because my it's really it's ready to die so let me uh pause for a second and uh yeah i'll put get another segment we'll be back yeah we'll be back all right jason i'm back uh you ready yeah, i'm ready man we had a little scare there a skunk uh, ran under me yeah, so while we were exchanging the batteries, all of a sudden I was in another room and I just heard you jumping out of the area, <laughs> came back inside. Fuck. Fucking shit my pants. It was it just ran under the gate and ran right towards me and I was just sitting here relaxed and then I had to jump to my feet and, and I and I'm I got my leg caught on the chair and I'm trying not to step on this thing so I don't get its fucking asshole spray in my face. Did you smell skunk spray before? It's fucking yes, nasty. We were, well, I mean, when I was driving away from the area, we saw a couple of skunk walking away, but um, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't like it. <sighs> yeah, I don't like it. It's very strange because Los Angeles is one of the biggest cities in North America uh, and it's a major metropolitan area, but sometimes I forget how many different kinds of animals kind of sneak <sighs> around. There's dozens of coyotes around here. You always see these pictures. It makes me kind of laugh. Missing cats. The coyotes yeah. eat them. The coyotes well, when eat I them. Had, when I threw it last two months ago, when I lost my friend's cat for like two weeks. Oh, did you find it? We found it, yeah. Holy shit. You're lucky, yeah? I'm very lucky. You know what happened? I went to medical lab then, and I don't know what the fuck happened. And four days later, my friend Rick came back from Japan. And within a half a day when he got back, when he was riding his motorcycle, that cat just reappeared. I think what happened was that cat heard the motorcycle thinking, oh. the motherfucker came back home finally. Yeah, he was looking for him. And uh, it took him still like day, day and a half, two days eventually to grab that cat in there. But yeah, I was just, I given up at that point, kind of, you know. And coyotes everywhere, that yeah. neighborhood. It's Hollywood and Edgemont. And uh, within a quarter of a mile, there are hills and God, all the wildlife, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, there's uh, no shortage of uh, all kinds of stuff. I do like the fact that there's not a lot of mosquitoes and flies here. Mm -hmm. You don't see a lot of that. So the summer. I wonder why. Not lack of swamp, I guess. Still water. Yeah. No, still water. You know. Because we have a lot of drought. We have no water here. Yeah. And these assholes are out watering their fucking golf courses, and yeah. there's a water drought. They don't give a fuck. When you hit rich and money, you, if you have money, that's never an issue with that. Yeah. Ugh. Wow, I'm awake now. <laughs> um, so, you, I don't know. Um, any regret about doing show business <laughs> stuff for you? Uh, I mean, maybe not the regret, but like when you choose to do one th one opportunity, you've foregone other opportunities, right? Like, do you regret not having a wife and a kid sometime? 
I no, not kids. I don't regret the kids. I kind of I want a wife. I want a partner. You know, somebody I can count on and trust. Yeah. Which well, legal now, Jason? And fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I've never subscribed to traditional lifestyles and yeah. stuff. You know, I, I hang out with comedians. You know, and musicians. A lot of my friends are in rock bands and and uh, which is artists. worse, Magi- musician or comedians, in your opinion? Which side do you find more sociopath? <sighs> Your experience, comedians, because at least in I think I, I have to agree with you on that. Bands, usually the people in each band have similar values and 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 are fighting for the same cause. Yeah, and comedians are like they're not fighting for cause; they're just fighting. They're very opportunist. Yeah, opportunistic. Yeah, and. Um, Lot mental, you know what I mean. When, when you're in a band, you're forced to deal with those other personalities, sure. and it kind of keeps everybody in check um, for the cause. Where comedians have their own values and 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 motivation, and sure. not only uh, not always um, good for the greater, you know. And and because most of the time when you're doing stand up comedy, you're by yourself. You're, you're it's not a team oriented stuff. Yeah. Whereas band, it's kind of team, even mm. though. Always surprising to me when you hear some very successful band and they break up because they can't get along. And I just wonder, like, well, you guys became a team in the beginning. Well, what happened? But it's that dynamic I don't get sometimes. Yeah. Was it Leno said that comedy is not a team sport? Oh, did he say that? Yeah. yeah. You know, so you can, some people create illusions of camaraderie and. Sure. friends but there's there's very few people that you can trust and count on in this business so hmm. it's a very me 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 situation egomaniacs full of mental illness and substance abuse and yeah everything else i mean one advantage of doing stand-up comedy hanging out with other stand-up comedians i know i have problems but i know like i'm pretty middle of the road compared to a lot of them i mean yeah. for greg Giroto when he overdosed, so I, I don't know exactly why he died, uh, but it had something to do with drugs. But I read when he passed away, six months, a year before he did Psychology Today interview and every other world, if I remember right, was him calling himself a piece of shit. And I, I couldn't believe that. You know, here's very talented comedian. People love them. He went to Yale Law School or something, mm-hmm. Princeton Law School. He's a smart, good looking guy and a lot of people want to work with him. but. None of that shit really mattered because the way he felt about himself was so bad. I mean, I was shocked. Yeah. I could never imagine that somebody like that would feel that way about themselves. It's weird. And the general public doesn't know that, you know, they just see the clown end of it and they don't know what the inner struggles and yeah, shit like that. It's, it's, it's full of a uh, mess. <laughs> um. <laughs> Me, uh, Yoshi. It's good to see you. <laughs> I'm just mad at myself because I made bad decision, and you know, at 45, I'm like couch surfing, and I lost all my money, and a lot of it's pre- preventable. But in the last few years, not getting detail, I, I, I still hold down to this notion that if somebody wrong you, you gotta stand by yourself and stick with that position, you know. And it's not a very popular thing to do because people say you're stupid because you lost gig number one and number two or whatnot. And I don't want to think that's 
I don't want to change from that position. I'm just not practical in that regard. If I feel like they're lying or wrong me, but it's really hard to live life like that, you know, sometimes. Yeah, you can't carry other people's bullshit. Just because mm-hmm. somebody else is a piece of shit and has done you wrong, to give up your power by becoming them is, is the worst. It's crippling. And I don't want to be sounding like a guy who blame everything and everyone else. I, I mean, I take full responsibility, mm. but um, I know when when some when it's unreasonable or downright wrong. You know, I yeah. just I it just hurts. have I just have a hard time going uh, letting that shit go over. It is. It's difficult. What are your options? You know, you kill the person. You know, almost dead. Yeah, I believe it. You know, I felt like just like there's this person I've had to deal with you know in some cases they're just bringing nothing to the table except yeah. heartache and turmoil and I try not to put myself in a position or situation where I have to deal with him because if I don't know for certain I could control my anger I I just have to I have to leave, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, because, I'm, because if I lose control and end up beating somebody or put him in the hospital or something, yeah, I'm getting too old to do that. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll be other wrong. I try to do that. They beat the shit out of me, but uh huh. Either case, it's that's not a good situation. Some yeah. people mistake kindness for weakness. Yeah, and don't be fooled. <laughs> I, I will kill you. But I don't understand when people do shit like that because, okay, you got me today. Because there's no consequence to them. That's why. That's to me, that's you punch them in the face and they, they there's there's some self-reflection, you know what I mean? You don't watch Game of Thrones, do you? I love it. It's great. Oh, I you think, do watch I, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched all of it. I think they should bring back public executions. She's kind of technically my friend now, but uh, she's... She, my friend's friend, I talked to her on the phone, but when she get back in the States, I'll probably see her, but... Um, this girl Keisha Castle Hughes. She was uh, at the point one point youngest person to be nominated by uh, Oscar. Mm-hmm. She was in a movie called Well Rider, and uh, she's going to be in. Is season- it a porno? No, she's she's um, she's going to be in uh, season five of a Game of Thrones. That's great. Remember uh, Oberlin Martell? He fought the mountain and he was winning, and you. you oh, and they crushed his head. Yeah. Oh. She plays his eldest daughter oh the one of the snake sister or snake daughters the sands you know but yeah she's, she's gonna be and she is gonna be a bad motherfucker that was a great five. battle yeah when he fought the giant man and i the whole time i watched that scene like oh no something's not gonna go right just kill him you know yeah, yeah 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 that was pretty heavy it's a great show man the reason I bring, not just for the incest either the, the, <laughs> the reason i bring it up that show is because it's really difficult if you have this certain principle like and if you don't watch the show none of this shit gonna make sense to you but john stark who got killed in season one hold this principle being right and wrong and things like that right of course he get his fucking head chopped off and i'm not saying i'm i'm that school of thought but i'm I'm more inclined to think like stick to your guns stick to your gun you know and unfortunately that another powerful family, the Lannisters, they don't play life by that game. They're playing a different game. So um, it seems like quite often 
people who are considered like scumbag or not decent people surviving that show. But, you know, last season, the elder Lannister got himself killed in a toilet. Yeah, crossbow. Yeah, crossbow. And um, it just shows like even the guy who ended up firing me from Evil Angel, mm. he's dead now. Oh, he died of AIDS? No. Did he? This is a different guy. Oh, how many people do you know have AIDS? I don't know Not any. Not just with the people that you slept with. Uh, my mom, uh, <laughs> she doesn't have HIV. <laughs> no, no, the guy who fired me, GM, a guy named Christian Mann. Um, yeah, he died from cancer like a month ago, a month and a half ago. Look how happy you are, see? I, it, 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 doesn't no make, it doesn't make me happy because I didn't kill him. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he got sympathy that he doesn't deserve. So, um, but it just, my, my point is, you just never know. Because I'm sure he, try, he was trying to get rid of me for a long time. He finally did it with some bullshit reason. Mm. He thought like he won, but you know, little over two years later, he's dead. So, um, and I still have a lot of problem with the evil angel. Is that still even around? Is that even a company? Oh, the police. Fucking police. Oh, yeah, they're on patrol. It's like a war zone, like yeah. with the amount of patrols of helicopters that fly over. And this is not really a bad neighborhood. No, it isn't. It has changed a lot. Over it's going to South Central, I think. Um, but there's people still has something to do with firing me, and I, I resent those people. And um, um. I know they're probably thinking like, well, that's that, he's gone. But dude, I, I gotta tell these people like, most people live for a long time. You live a life and business practice that fuck people over. Sorry, man, but those people don't forget. Maybe some people move on and have a different life and forget you, but I don't understand when people go around and out of their way maliciously fucking somebody over. Yeah, especially in show business, it's a very doggy dog mentality, you know. And it makes no sense. And um, if they say like they're not making money selling DVDs and we need to cut exp uh, expense or whatever, I, I completely understand that. But the route they choose to go, it makes no sense. Yeah, there was no straightforwardness about it. There's no honesty in it, and that's what we're, becomes disgusting when they, they. Who knows? Maybe they just continue on, make millions of dollars, live a long life, a happy life. Well, good for you, but uh, it doesn't always work like that, man. Yeah, so, man. Fuck them. So, a uh, few more minutes. Um, so you like Game of Thrones? Who, who, who are your some of your favorite characters, and who do you hate? And is there any uh, narrative narrative in that story that you don't like? The midget's great. Tyrion, yeah. It's great. It's great. Peter Dinklage. And, and for, for various reasons. He's not only a great actor, he's got the role of a lifetime. Um, it, it, he's not a, uh, uh, even though in some of the characters treat him as a buffoon and mm -hmm. what have you, he's very uh, uh, alpha character in the whole thing. He has his values and his morals. And, and um, I do like... And by the way, the tragedy of uh, Tyrion Lannister, who is played by uh, Peter Dinklage, and um, his father, uh, Tywin, it's very sad because the father can see through his prejudice that his son is not only incredibly cunning and competent, but uh, he's smarter than other siblings, you know, but because he was a dwarf. He and his see, mother died right. during the birth, I think. Hey, but it has nothing to do with uh, him, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, um, I like the chick, Kay Kylie, Kaylee, the, the, uh, the dragon girl. 
Oh, Khaleesi. Khaleesi, yeah. I hate her. Really? Her narrative, it just fucking bores me. She's just a Puerto Rican with blonde hair. Is she? No, no, no. I'm just saying it's, it's like <laughs> she's brunette, but she colored blonde. I, I find her whole story like boring. I don't. Oh, I like uh, uh, the midget's uh, bodyguard. Oh, yes. And and also the the, do uh, the dog. No, um, hound. The hound. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I feel like the hound when I drink rum. And and hound is a really interesting when he's in like killed fuck by a you, woman fuck the king fuck this and that yeah um even though he is he lives by his own law he does have a code of honor i don't think he's dead i mean he's heavily damaged from last season but you didn't see him die die oh. i i think he's coming back i i still hope that someday he will come around and kill the mountain his older brother who burned him oh as that's a child. his brother yeah oh that's why i don't think mountain's gonna die because that's why they're healing him but I think the story will end where I'm hoping the hound will recover and eventually kill his brother. That's cool. Yeah, I could see him cleaning house yeah. near the end and then maybe dying at the hands of a dragon trying to protect the girl or something like that. But the hound is great because, you know, last couple of seasons, uh, why am I forgetting the girl that hound was traveling? Because season before, she was hanging out with Tywin Lannister and learning all cunning and intelligence, you know? Like Tywin really appreciate that little girl, yeah. And not knowing that that's one of John Stark's daughter, yeah, yeah. And um, it's so well done. It's a it's a fantastic show. Um, John Snow's narrative it's it's kind of interesting. We're trying to figure out who his mother is, but you know the guy who played John Snow, mm -hmm. you know her, his love. He ended up dying last season, right? The redhead, but uh, his name is Kid. Harrington, I think, but the guy who plays Jon Snow's character, he is descendant of King Charles II. He what? really have a blue blood. Yeah, that's great. Great, good character too. Yeah, great. And he's character. got that pouty look that women love. Oh yeah, that guy stinks of fucking pussy. I'm and, disgusted by it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but he's dating that redhead girl for real. Yeah, for real. Yeah, they, they were bothering him at the airport. I remember seeing the footage of it. Ah, yeah, that's cool. I, I like the um, Sansa Stark, the older redhead sister. And I also like her younger sister who is hang, hanging out with uh, Hound. I don't know why I, I forgot her name all of a sudden, mm. but um, those Stark sisters going to be a very big part down the road, I think. They're, they're really becoming not naive like their father. Yeah, the redhead's a little bit dumb as a stick. Now, is she banging the guy that pushed the old lady down the, the window? You're talking about Littlefinger. Uh, I, I think they're having some uh, emotional uh, affair, I think. But uh, she, he was in love with her mother at one point. Yeah, but now she's he's interested in her, you know. Yeah, he's adopted her as a. But Littlefingers is really like. I mean, he fucking started this whole fucking mess. Yeah, he's very cunning. He he started everything, and but I do find him interesting that he understands lust and desire and use that as a weapon against people you know very educated very smart very but you know what you know the bald guy with his uh, nuts cut off yes i think he's very he's gonna come out on top on on all this and and, and i didn't he's really, playing the waiting I, I, game I, I, I didn't think it was a bad guy from the beginning because that would be too obvious but um he, he has his own agenda but i like that character now once he helped Tyrion escape king's landing he realized remember he turned around and went back to the ship because He'll be the first one to be accused of um, helping him. So now he escaped too. He escaped with Tyrion. They're on the same boat. 
Ah. Yeah. Okay, okay. One other guy that I like that um, um, I think maybe they're not well liked, I, I kind of like Stannis. Stannis is uh, Baratheon's younger brother. And um, remember, he went to um, Iron Bank of uh, Bravos with his assistant and convinced the bank to loan him money. Yeah. And they were, they were not going to give him uh, money to Stannis, but his assistant, the guy with missing fingers, he basically said, look, he's, he's at the peak of his career. He's at the legitimacy because his brother was the king of King's Landing. Invest. Invest. And he, there's, there's a lot of problem with the Lannister family. This is a guy you want to put money in. He's, he's able to convince the Iron Bank. It's like Bank a sports and, team. Yeah. You, but buy put some money on this team. But Stannis is really interesting because he, repro- he reminds me like a moderate Republican candidate. He has the red-headed bitch with a religious shit with fire, right? Yeah. So that's that like, witch. What, yeah. So she, he, he has the religious backing, like typical conservative Republicans. Yeah. But he's also pro-military. He has a military strength and he's logistic. Remember, he just uh, appeared from uh, Iron Bank Bravos on the other side of an iron uh, ice wall to help Jon Snow fight that group. Remember, he just appeared in the, and just yeah. b- basically beat those barbarians. Yeah, 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 yeah. They cleaned house the uh, the uh, wildlings. Yeah. He's able to surround those guys just like that. He was able to do it with loan for the bank. And because he understood logistic, within a sh- few weeks or maybe a month, he was uh, able to appear, appear the other side of the uh, ice wall and conquer the wildlings, you know. Very efficient. Yeah. And, and had some values of his own when he said they were going to kill the leader and then they just put him in chains. He listened to Jon Snow yeah. and, and, and by uh, his willing to listen, you know. But I, I like I like Stannis' character. I like the two Stark sisters. I'm not a fan of a Khaleesi. And that's, she's hot. She's, yeah, hot. she's hot, but I just don't care about the fucking dragons and things like that. <laughs> and I, I think the whole Lannister family is all fucking messed, man. Like the old man's dead. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. And Tyrell... That um, oh sorry you actually you have to go someplace soon don't you no I'm good um, the old lady who's coaching the Marjorie to marry the Lannister family remember yes and she was basically saying like look I got to this position where I am by fucking better than my sister remember that whole yeah she was yeah. very frank and I like that talk she has with Marjorie like hey if you want to have power in your woman the your the battlefield for women is in the bed. Yes. Really. I mean, she was basically saying, like, whoever sucked the dick the best, the pussy, you're going to win the man, you know? You can manipulate the situation if you yeah. get a good beaver. Um, I, I find that family uh, fascinating. But that family is better than uh, Lannister because even under Tywin, he was winning and had money and whatnot. Well, they're running out of money. The fact that he didn't even notice that his son and daughter are fucking each other. And their grandson oh, is yeah. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, you have all the business outside of your family in a great success, but inside of the family, it's a fucking mess. At least Tyrell, they love uh, their family. They have money and wealth and army. So Marjorie's going to be a big player next season. She's going to go after that oldest son now of the Lannister, the blonde boy, blonde yeah. hair boy. But the mom doesn't want to have anything with Marjorie, too. And, uh, it's weird, but people's or in the this context of this series, how their values—it's all status. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the whole association with power. You know. 
And remember Theon got his dick cut off? Yeah. Nah. That, he got tortured. Now he's the bitch to that one guy. Yeah. And that guy is just a uh, psycho. Uh, psycho, man. And uh, his father is Bruce something, if I remember. He helped the Lannister to assassinate the Red Wedding. Remember? The mother yeah. grabbed his hand and noticed he had a chain. And cut under. the girl's throat yeah. and got the cross. Oh, man. Family dinner gone wrong. I mean, that was a. Uh, that show is amazing in that no one is safe. No one's fucking yeah. safe. Yeah, no matter how great the characters are, they have no problem axing them. And and J.R.R. Martin, he's from New Jersey, from the same little town as Jim Norton. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a home town. I forgot the name of the town, but it's a little Harvard town where J.R.R. Martin said basically when he was a kid, he was sick. All he did was read, but look through the window, he saw the ships coming and go. And like he wanted to know where they go, and he just fantasized that. Well, if you watch the last season, last episode, the youngest girl from the start was she was on the boat and she's going to the Iron Bank brothels, you know? Yeah. And, oh man, I, I just love the fucking series. It's just when's it restarting again? Oh, the police helicopter. March or April next year. But yeah, Keisha Castle Hughes. I'm excited that she's gonna play one of the Sands. Uh, not Sans because Sans is a bastard. You, you you have that name bastard just like Snow, if you're that bastard from that part of the world. But mm -hmm. she plays the elder daughter of Martell, and like wow, she's she's gonna be fucking unbelievable. That's cool. I I like to see that show run for ten years. You know what I mean? There's they say there's only three more years left, and like that makes me sad, man. So is it six years in total then? Three. It'll three. be seven, I think, total. That's good. Yeah, that's good, man. And he's not writing the book fast enough. That's why they're they're like they're catching up too fast. At this rate, they just ah. And 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 they said that that uh, the two showrunners who started the show talk basically with J. G. Uh, uh, R. R. Martin about uh, how the show is going to be ending, kind of. Mm -hmm. So they have some idea how it's going to end. But anyway, Jason, uh, thanks for doing it, and um, it was a fun. Cool, man. Can and, I plug uh, some dates? I know you have people who listen to this show. Sure. Uh, on September 18th, I'll be uh, performing at the uh, Comedy Store here in Hollywood, part of the uh, Sunset Strip Music Festival. Oh, another police helicopter. Oh, that's a big one. There's two of them. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And on uh, Tuesday, September 23rd, I'm going to be doing the Roast Battle, uh, which is two comedians taking the piss out of each other. In at fact, the comedy uh, store. last week or this week, LA Weekly had a humongous article about it in the front, uh, cover on LA Weekly. Really? It was a huge on LA Weekly, yeah. Okay, well, I'm, I'll be doing that next week. A week today, actually. It's almost like comedy version of mixed martial art. I'm going to um, destroy somebody yes. publicly. That's why all this public execution and stuff, this is my way of getting that out of my system. This is your ISIS. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> And next month you have a big show at the com uh, uh, Melrose Improv, October 11th or something. October 11th, I'll be doing uh, a midnight show on Saturday. It's uh, it's going to be uh, Jason Rouse's Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm not sure what acts I'm going to have on it as of yet. And then in the new year, uh, the rumor has it on February, I'll be performing on uh, Showtime here in the United States uh, alongside uh, the great Andrew Dice Clay, Andrew Dice Clay, which is and, and uh, Eleanor. Great. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic, and we're going to have a great time with that. I forgot. El is it Eleanor Carrington? How do you say her last name? I'm barely literate, Yoshi. Oh, 
Eleanor's hilarious. Yeah. So check out uh, Jason and Eleanor, and Chad and Corey, the twins. Um, and so next, uh, early next year, you might be going to Canada and Europe. Yes. So uh, month of February, um, I'll be. It looks like Norway, Sweden, and then possibly Denmark and Finland. But okay. Nor- Norway and Sweden, and then in the March, April, mm-hmm. I'll be doing a cross Canada tour. It looks like. We haven't nailed down the lates, but go to jasonrouse.com and check out uh, my podcast, The Safe Word. I just did it today. Yes, and, and it was awesome. And thanks for having me on your show. Thanks, Jason. And uh, uh, what's your Twitter account so they can follow you? Uh, JasonRouse666. Yes, check, check out jasonrouse.com. Unbelievable uh, talent. And um, he did a live comedy show in Denmark and just fucking killed it. And uh, you need to check it out because there's a giant surprise and gift for you guys <laughs> if you haven't seen it before. So anyway, thanks for listening to a new episode. And uh, Jason, thanks for doing it. And I will talk to you guys soon. Come in.